Uh, anyway, Matt Kittle's on from the MacGyver Institute to talk about things more pragmatic, mundane, and concrete. How are you doing? Pay no attention to that handsome man behind the curtain. Pay no, or woman, as it were. <laughs> I don't know. Um, higher ed, higher ed, higher ed. Your kids, ed. you're you're not getting your kids' money's worth. I'm just saying. Um, speaking of higher ed, that was one of the things that was not extracted from this budget process was forced quote cultural competency training uh, for all students, faculty, and staff of the University of Wisconsin system. Everybody's going to have to go through the forced cultural competency indoctrination where they learn why Chelsea Manning is a hero and not really a guy. Yes, and then at the same time, of course, you have the liberals going on and on and on, as they want to do on the assembly floor, complaining about having a conservative... uh, arguably conservative, but at least another form of, of idea uh, institution uh, on the campus, the Tommy G. Center, uh, Tommy G. Thompson Center. They just complain and rail about that, but they don't no, uh, that, they never get it that, that UW-Madison is one no, huge liberal They get think it. Tank. Matt, yeah. they get it just fine. Yeah, they yeah, just, yeah. The Republicans can't figure out a way to rub their noses in this stuff. Because when they're given an opportunity, as they were by an amendment by Steve Noss, and then an opportunity at the end of the budget process to take this out, they didn't. So, I mean, the the left has a, a, a partnership, apparently, with elected Republicans who can't figure out how to um, j- how to channel the outrage of everybody else in the state of Wisconsin who sees this crap and says, why am I funding it again? Yeah, definitely so. And uh, you talk about uh, amendments, you talk about changes to a budget that uh, some key conservatives really have a hard time with. First and foremost, you have... Uh, spending levels that uh, state rep- excuse me, state senator Dave Craig, uh, first and foremost, he doesn't he doesn't like that. He's very concerned about it. That's a sticking point. And what we understand is he's been in that no category, uh, which of course is troubling to Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald as he heads out to the the Senate floor, uh, hoping that he's counted enough noses, but. As of now, as we understand it, there's not 17 votes. You've got uh, David Craig against it. That's the last we had heard. You have Steve Noss against it. You have uh, Dewey Strobel against it. And you have uh, Chris Kapinga. Uh, it seems like there have been some, there's been some maneuvering behind the scenes to get a guy who certainly was a hard no, Robert Coles, in the uh, vote yes camp. But you've got uh, some some conservatives who are very concerned about some of these things that have popped up in the budget, particularly late, and some of the things that they'd like to see in terms of real conservative reforms that didn't make it. Yeah, because apparently we're sitting on our laurels and the lobbyists get to call the shots now. Here's one I want to talk specifically about that I haven't had enough um, enough time to spend solely on this issue, and that's the TPC. Um, I was chatting with Senator Strobel earlier today on my Milwaukee program about this. The TPC is a brand new transportation bureaucracy. We're hoping Governor Walker vetoes it, but it doesn't look like it's going to be cut from the budget before it goes to the floor of the Senate. It is a brand new transportation bureaucracy that's controlled by the road, road builders. And the entire purpose of this bureaucracy it is, is to find ways to generate new revenue for road building. Yeah, the Transportation Projects Commission, which exists now, um, would be expanded and its authority would be expanded And the concern is, A, it is yet more bureaucracy 
costing taxpayers more money to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars just to begin with, to hire employees. Just for employee costs, yeah. Yeah, director, all of that sort of stuff. And they would have a director, and that director would be, the concern is, by a lot of folks who have taken a closer look at this, the director would be beholden to whom? Well, uh, the big concern is that director would be beholden to the position of the let's enhance revenues any way we can idea that has been, you know, the, the real driving force in the assembly and certainly the driving force of the road builders in their lobby. And that's all about raising gas taxes and fees and all of those sorts of things. Um, so there's a real sense that not only do you have a new bureaucracy created, but you have a stacking of the deck the way that this new uh, and improved commission is laid out with more members who are more sympathetic to the gas tax hike fee increase position. So the idea is not to generate a call for DOT reform. The idea is to have this group there to, quote, produce studies that say we absolutely need more revenue. You know, I'm not saying that this this is the worst budget ever, but th- some of these elements are, are so awful. I, I don't know how conservatives can vote yes. I know that a handful of assembly conservatives voted no. Um, not a lot. Um, but uh, but a handful voted no. A handful of Republicans right now in the Senate are willing to potentially to vote no on this. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they may all conclude that, well, let's see if we can't take a shot at Governor Walker vetoing some of this. Um, but some of it, as I it was, I was chatting with Dewey Strobel, is not just about taking bad stuff out of the budget, like this TPC expansion or this eminent domain authority for a shadowy public financing operation that the Wisconsin Counties Association is enthusiastically cheerleading, and one lobbying group is enthusiastically cheerleading that probably makes significant contributions to campaign funds. Um, you know, it's also not getting good reforms in place in the first place, like the Fed, like the like the state's Fed swap. Yeah, I think those are legitimate concerns. Now, you said it, and I will repeat it. There's a lot of good for conservatives in this budget. I'm not going to go over the list, but I think when you eliminate a tax, it's a pretty damn good day. Uh, you know, and, and there's, there, there are indeed a lot. And that's what these folks are really struggling with. And I talked to uh, folks in, in, in Senator Noss's office and Senator Strobel's office, and you heard from Senator Strobel today. They want to vote for this budget. They're not, they're not saying hell no. They're saying... Give us something that we can go back to our conservative constituents, our free market constituents, and say, hey, we, these were important to you, this is important to conservatives and conservative philosophy, and we got it for you, and we worked with leadership that got the message that conservatism still is important. Um, and so they just want this, this budget is good, on many fronts, they want to make it better for conservatives. Well, I would say this. This budget has some good things in it, but this budget is not good. This budget has good things in it. But when you include so much of the crony garbage and you leave out so much important reform and you spend at levels as high as it is, mm-hmm. um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not prepared to use the adjective good to describe this. There are some good things, no doubt, but not um, allowing people t- uh, outside Milwaukee or Racine 
to take full advantage of the school choice program. Yeah, There's yeah. no way that's good. Uh, no fed, fed state swap on road project and, and uh, major capital expenses. That's insane. Uh, leaving, and this was months ago, but leaving the self-insurance savings on the table, not including the DOT reforms. And then to not actually include the referendum qualification for these energy expenditures that school districts are using to build up their baseline budget so that they can then go to the state and plead poverty on. I can't even believe that was not included in this budget at the same time the state is spending an additional $639 million for more failing schools. I hear you. And you've got what uh, the left likes to call, and they overuse this term because they really don't have it, righteous indignation. (laughs) You are righteously indignant about uh, some of this stuff. This is a this is a slightly less good than a half a loaf budget um, because of all the spending and all the stuff that was left on the side. Here's something that is not now again. Governor Walker um, has the authority, and it, now it's going to be pressure on Governor Walker uh, to veto this. Because my sense is is that what Fitzgerald is trying to do is find some Democrats willing to vote for this budget, um, or to try to talk one or two extra Republicans off their no vote to get it done with a promise that don't worry. Governor Walker will veto some of the bad stuff. Again, he can't veto in any good stuff. Um, But don't worry, Governor Walker will veto out some of this bad stuff. Um, He has not vetoed out every single piece of bad stuff that's ever been in a budget. And that is, I mean, I I think it is uh, dangerous to to use that as your your sort of last chance strategy. Well, that's what we're hearing. We're hearing that uh, Coles, for instance likes the fact that the structural deficit is below a billion dollars by like nine million dollars, just underneath it, whatever that amount is, but it's just under a billion dollars. But he's banking on that kind of promise. Oh, and and as I understand it, he's banking on the kind of promise that the governor will veto out the, the more conservative bits of legislation. So you have these these battles going on and you know, maybe some promises that certainly can't be can't be delivered upon. There's only one guy that can deliver upon those ultimately. But you know, you talk about things you mentioned it before, the the public finance authority. I mean this thing is a mess. MacGyver has really gone into it and over the last couple of days uh, thankfully, we're starting to talk about what this initiative would be. It's stuff like that that really concerns uh, taxpayers and voters, certainly, and it ought to concern um I don't concern lawmakers. Well, yeah. And even with the um, the the no votes on the Senate side, um, and I was talking to Steve Noss yesterday, because Robin Voss had committed to a lobbyist that there was no way that the eminent domain authority for this public financing um, operation, this shadowy, untransparent public financing operation, um, they didn't even include it in their list of demands for a yes vote on this budget, hoping Governor Walker will veto it. And again, it's important to point out, some years ago, and the, and the charge I remember was being led, I believe, by Steve Gunderson, um, who was pretty good on property rights stuff, when the Kelo decision from the Supreme Court came down, and the risk was that Wisconsin, particularly cities like Madison or, or, or wherever else, were already abusing blight declarations, would start condemning properties for, quote, economic development or nonprofit development, um, and, and we put a stop to it by enacting a law that says you cannot condemn properties for 
economic development or other type of private project development, period. You can't do it. It's got to be public use, not public purpose. This erases that law. Um, At least for one organization, it it erases that law. And it gives it to this organization that we just don't know enough about, an organization that was created in Wisconsin but has become the bond house of last resort for high-risk projects everywhere but Wisconsin. They have done very little in the state of Wisconsin, arguably, to justify its existence. And I'll I'll give you one more point. This budget does include, I think, a real good provision that says you can't use eminent domain to go in and, and try to get bike lanes and bike roundabouts and those sorts of crazy things. We do that, and then we give eminent domain to a group we don't have enough information about. And that's exactly why... Uh, State Representative Scott Allen is calling for an audit of this thing, and that's exactly why he told me he didn't vote for this budget, because it's got this PFA legislation in it and all the things that it would include, all the powers it would include. Yeah, and and now they're saying, oh, don't worry. We won't use the authority, but you'll have it. You have the authority... Why do you want the authority if you don't plan to use the authority? So that's a lie. They will use the authority, and that's the problem. Um, again, this, but the PF, the, the public financing end of it is going to end up having to be um, Scott Walker vetoing it. Um, the same lobbyist that got it inserted in the in the budget and seems to you know to have a hold sway over Robin Voss is a lobbyist that has been you know spied hanging around the governor as often as he can as well. So. Um, you know, hopefully the governor sees the outrage in this and the appalling. Um, it's not only anti-conservative, it's I mean, it's anti-liberty, period, and does something with it. But that's not going to save this budget. Yeah, well, there are a lot of concerns, obviously, and you've voiced a, a number of them. So have you guys. Yeah. You guys have done a great job at McIver in, in, in teasing any of this out. You're not seeing it in the State Journal. You're not seeing it in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And the only place you're seeing any real detail about the meats, uh, the, the meat and the side dishes of this budget is at McIverInstitute.com. And I thank you for the efforts that you've made, Matt. Well, thank you. I appreciate it as always. Take a quick break and be right back. But today on the MacGyver Institute website, you will see the latest on some of the um, the very concerning things that were included in this budget. We'll be right back. Yeah.